All right. Um, getting started with your diabetic alert dog. <laughs> Okay, two awkward people making a podcast. Yes, Um, that should be the tagline. (laughs) Yes, good low. Hey, and welcome to Demystifying Detection Dogs with MD Dogs. I'm Libby Rockaway, and I'm the founder of MD Dogs, and I'm here with Maggie, who is a trainer for MD Dogs, as well as for her own business, Sit, Stay, Lex. Hi, I am excited to be here. I love talking about dogs, Um, but today we're going to uh, discuss finding the right dog for you as your diabetic alert dog. Um, So go ahead and grab something to drink, and we are currently enjoying coffee, and we'll get started. Whenever you're getting started with your diabetic alert dog, what do you recommend first, Libby? Oh, wow. Um, solid question. Okay, so first I would recommend doing a whole lot of research before you actually get started with your diabetic alert dog. Right? Like, mm-hmm. there's so much to it, and so much of it is actually prepping and choosing the right dog. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of... Um, set themselves up for a much more difficult journey than is needed. Um, Because obviously our MD dog's whole thing is (laughs) self-training. So obviously we are all for people self-training with the dogs that they have or, um, you know, getting a dog for the purpose. But I think it is so much more helpful if you do your research beforehand and then think about what kind of dog do I need and not even what kind of dog do I want. Not which one is the cute one that I saw, you know, the neighbor down the street had and, you know, super fluffy with the pricked up ears or whatever. Um, But really, like, what are the traits that I need and what have other people found to be successful? Yeah, I think it's very much looking at, like, taking the time to research and finding a dog Mm -hmm. that is really beneficial to you um, and your, you know, with diabetic alert dogs, you know, the disabilities, you don't have to worry about, like, oh, it has to be a really big yeah. dog for, like, mobility or um, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you can kind of have a little bit more leeway with a diabetic alert dog totally. as far as, like, other restrictions. Um, but I do think that it's really, really important to, like, look at the dog and how they benefit your lifestyle in the sense of, like, do you sit on the couch a lot? Yeah. Like, do you uh, want to spend every you know weekend backpacking 50 yeah. miles like is there a range of where you're at you'd like mm-hmm. to go running and that service dog would go running with you yeah and looking at it where oh I need a breed that can match my lifestyle and mm-hmm. not the lifestyle that I want so yes. we we're talking about with another trainer yesterday like picking yeah yeah we all want to learn you go and run in five miles but a dog's not going to help you <laughs> run five mile kind of thing yeah um so get a dog that yeah like wants to curl up on the couch yeah. Every evening, watch a movie. Uh, if that's your lifestyle, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, but then also looking at uh, where, where do you, what do you do for work? Mm-hmm. Where do you, are you going to school all the time? Does your dog have to be at least, you know, yeah. medium high energy enough to get that as alerting while they're going to the office with you every day or school with you every day? Um, yeah. And that's, yeah. That's a big one too is like, you have to take into consideration your lifestyle, but then you also have to take into consideration if you need a dog that's driven enough to alert. 
Mm-hmm. And then it's so hard with diabetic heart dogs because they actually have to be somewhat high drive. And so if you don't do much, like you just have a sedentary lifestyle, that's totally fine. And your personal lifestyle would match great with a Newfoundland. That's fantastic. But a Newfoundland is probably going to be a terrible diabetic alert dog. Yeah. Right? Because they want to sleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like wonderful, sweet, calm teddy bear dogs. But um, they are not probably going to have the drive to wake up from a nap to lumber over to you <laughs> and alert you. Yeah. Right? And so that's what's kind of difficult, too, is you have to look at what do what matches me and then also what makes a good diabetic alert dog, and sometimes you're going to have to give up what you want for a good diabetic alert dog. You know, you might have to start going on a lot more walks if you are really intent on getting a diabetic alert dog that's successful. Yeah. Um, But that's going to be a much better option than getting a Newfoundland and saying, well, I'm just going to turn him into a diabetic alert dog because you're going to end up with a lot of money down the drain and a lot of time. And I mean, a really lovely, cuddly blanket at night, yeah. but, but <laughs> exactly. not going to be helpful for alerting. I mean, yeah. there could theoretically be a newfie out there that's a yes. wonderful diabetic I'm sure dog. there's unicorns, right? There's unicorns, but yeah. And also, it's like, you know, the balance of, like, maybe getting a border collie is then too much. Yes, you know, like, exactly. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I also, as, yeah, herding breeds I don't find are... <laughs> They just have a lot of baggage because they're bred to yes. so look at movement a lot, which is lovely for training. Uh, but then they look at the movement of everything around them all the mm-hmm. time. And it just kind of, a lot of times yeah. their instincts are just too aggressive, which I love that about Border Collies, but not for yeah. uh, a job of, oh, we go in public all the time mm-hmm. and we have to do all that. Yeah. I think it's really important to step back. If I'm looking at, I'm going to try to find a dog, step back and like first just figure out the breed. And look at organizations that are doing really well. Yes. It is the... the biggest one. It's the Golden Retrievers. It's the Poodles. Mm -hmm. It's the Labs. They're boring, but they work. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it's not as fun to, you know, get, you know, the Golden Retriever. Yes, it's very fun to have, I don't know, a spicy dog, you know, that's being your service dog. But also just people are almost so used to seeing these really cute Golden Retrievers out in public that they're not even actually fascinated with them as much, I find. Like, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like a dog. Like, honestly, yeah. going out with Scout, I get so many oh, more comments about so having a Spaniel as a service dog in training versus any of the retrievers that I've yeah. I've worked with. It's mm-hmm. the, the every single time where, yeah. like, Mac, Labrador, like, <laughs> I could get away with, like, oh, yeah, someone will show me their lab or something. But yeah. it wasn't, like, the general public, like, obsessed with my dog. Mm-hmm. Um and they're, they're kind of the assumed breed for mm-hmm. service work, right? You know, when you think of a service dog in a little vest or a guide dog, you think of a lab or a golden, sometimes a German shepherd. But that's makes it honestly a lot easier because mm-hmm. people don't question you coming in with your dog in a vest. Um, and you also, exactly like you said, like, you don't get all the people that are like, oh my goodness, what breed is she? Wow, she's beautiful. Wow, is she a Brittany? Is she like all these comments? Mm-hmm. Um, you're of course going to get comments, but yeah. you get fewer of them. And I think there is a certain kind of assumption that it's a service dog when it's one of those typical breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, you know, there's a reality to it that it makes your life easier. And that's not a bad thing. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to make a statement by getting an off, kind of an off breed. It's actually, when you are going to be doing this for the next 12 years, it's actually sometimes 
seriously worthwhile to think about, hey, what's going to make my life easier? And one of the things around that, too, are bully breeds. Like, that's going to make your life so much more difficult. Bully breeds or even Rotties and Dobermans, um, you're going to get a lot larger percentage of the public that is scared of your dog. Yeah. Um, because they're bred, not, to, they're bred to look scary. They're bred to look scary. They're exactly. Yeah. And they do their job. And no matter how sweet of a temperament and how wonderful they are, there's a large portion of the public who aren't comfortable being around dogs. And by bringing in a scary looking dog, you're making a little bit, you know, more difficult for them and more likely to have a scene. Um, you know, I, in college, I had um, the little miniature Goldens, and I had people who, students who were not from the U.S., they weren't from America, mm. and um, cultures are just very different in other places, and I had quite a few fellow students who legitimately were scared of my 28-pound golden retriever-looking dog, yeah. um, and, you know, to the point where, like, they wouldn't even get on the elevator with me, Yeah. Um, and that's with the most, you know, soft, sweet-looking dog, right? And so I can't even imagine if I was in there with Adobe or Rottweiler, you're just, again, making your life more difficult than it needs to be. It's picking your battles. So it's already, it's already feels like you're taking a toddler out in public. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And granted, that feels even more extreme as the trainer getting them, as I'm training them to be the service dog. Like we get, (laughs) we get the puppy and everything and the, you know, working through adolescence and all that jazz, but you're going to come across issues and you want to decrease those issues because yeah. every time you walk into a restaurant, you really want to explain your laws mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And you'll still get that even with your retrievers, you know, and poodles and whatnot. But I think it's just, do you want to be an advocate for a bully breed or a Doberman yeah. almost every time you go out? Yeah. Um, I think it's just how much time do you want to put into, like, you want a quick grocery strip store? It may not be that way, just no. because you ha- you're walking in with a Doberman. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Dobermans. My first dog was a Doberman. My second yep. dog was a bully breed. <laughs> I'm I love those breeds, but uh, just to make my life easier, mm-hmm. I don't think I would ever take on that challenge of turning something like you know yeah. one of those breeds into a a, yeah. a service dog. It's just mm-hmm. for my own sanity. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, when training for clients, I probably will never choose one of those. Because if I have to think about matching it with a client, I don't want a client to have to have that burden. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that's kind of my view as a trainer for a client. So obviously self-trainers can make that decision for themselves. But I don't know. A lot of times it's also not super fun to have the general public be scared of you and your dog. Right? You know, people will literally see the dog and turn the other direction. Um, and that's kind of hard to eventually mm-hmm. that kind of... Um, it adds up, and yep. you can just make your life easier if you do choose another dog. Um, but we are in the U.S., and you can choose whatever choose you whatever like. You <laughs> I know I love it whenever I go out and I see a Doberman service dog. Cause yeah. I'm like they're so beautiful and they're so unique to see, and I I, pre- I appreciate it. I'm like you're you're cool. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's right. it, it is yeah. cooler. Um, but I do I do like seeing uh, you know other breeds besides because mm-hmm. you know we do get a little bit bored of in the retrie- which obviously Absolutely. you did. You have the spaniels now. That's yeah. your you you went on the spaniel route. Um, <laughs> has its own issues. Has its own issues. Yeah, you know. But uh, but let's say yes, we've convinced you to go with a retriever, a golden, <laughs> a lab, or a poodle. Um, you, I don't recommend just going out and getting your neighbor's oh, yes. 
your neighbor's golden retriever puppy. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the dog is lovely. It will make a wonderful service dog. Uh, but there is a lot of things that go into picking out the dog. So I had the luxury of my first diabetic alert dog. I worked for the breeder, the mini golden retriever breeder, and I got to meticulously pick the mom and the dad based off of their personality, their confidence, their biddability, their everything. And then I did their puppy culture. So puppy culture is essentially exposing your puppy to an array of things in order to increase their confidence whenever they're, you know, weeks, you know, around four to eight weeks old. I did that. Um, and I got to pick the puppy out of the litter that showed the best personality. Um, based off of their temperament test as well that someone else did. And I got to particularly pick out of, um, there's six or seven in the litter. I'm like, this one is very confident. Doesn't, you know, get frustrated super easily. Like, it's very just, like, happy-go-lucky. Um, I want to see a dog that wants to run into the fray versus, mm-hmm. you know, being nervous of everything, um, but doesn't get overwhelmed by anything either. And so I got to pick that out, and he's hands down <laughs> most lovely dog, perfect yeah. boy. Um, because I got to take that time, mm-hmm. um, and it made my job as a trainer 20 times easier getting to pick out the dog, um, based off their parents and knowing their parents really well. And, um, that was a luxury. I don't know. No one, I don't expect anyone else <laughs> to get to do this, but it helps whenever you have a breeder that has information about the parents that can discuss mm-hmm. with you, um, and knowing the dog and kind of knowing what service dogs are supposed to be like. And then the fact that they do puppy culture and, Mm-hmm. Their their staff or the breeder gets to know the dog really well and their personality. Um, so it's very beneficial to have a dog where you're like, I might, I could have picked probably any dog out of the litter because it was good genetics, but you really got to look at, like, the whole mm-hmm. the whole thing. Like, I made my job, I got this dog out at 14 months old as a full-blown service dog versus having to wait until they're two years old. Yeah. You know, it makes it so you have a dog quicker, mm-hmm. you know, by picking yeah. a dog that's easy based off of their personality. Yeah, and that's really important for Mm self-training, right? You know, if as soon as the dog is trained, you don't have to find a client. The dog is actually alerting you, Mm -hmm. and the dog alerts sooner because they're more prone to kind of those traits, and they're more likely to be successful because of who they are, and you're not trying to kind of turn them into something that they don't naturally want to be or, you know, aren't inclined to be, then that makes a big difference because you can get more alerts out of their lifetime. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's really, that's the whole purpose of them. Really, really nice. Yeah, Yeah. that's really important. So, totally, like, please don't say my neighbor down the street has a litter of beautiful goldens and they're giving me a puppy. Like, yes, that might work, but there's so much more that goes into it. Um, And especially with the labs and the goldens, but, I mean, definitely with every breed, health testing is so big, too. Because... Say you have, you know, a friend or whatever who gives you the dog and maybe it has a phenomenal temperament, but the saddest thing is that, you know, the dog turns three and has hip dysplasia and can't work anymore. Yeah. Um, And that's pretty prevalent in those common breeds that, you know, we were just recommending. Um, And in well-bred lines that have had a lot of health testing, they really minimize the risk of those things. But there's nothing kind of worse than putting in all that time and all that money to end up with a really great service dog, but then whose health fails them. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have to start over 
and also that's just really hard on the family. They, you know, you already have type one in the family, and now you're going to have to deal with other health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are kind of, I think, more prevalent than you think, and um, that really pops up with service dogs too, because their work is, um, even if they're not mobility, it is very physical job, right? You know going to Walmart and Kroger and, you know, school. Even the slippery floors are not yeah. good on dogs. It's you know, hard. Like walking yeah, through a school, it's all the tile, it's all the mm-hmm. little of it's, it's, it's tough on them. It's yeah. not, it's not easy. You have to have a medically sound dog and just taking, you know, the first dog that pops up that somebody provides you and suggests is um, not going to be likely to end up with you know, the best candidate. Yeah. It's kind of your job as you start this to... First, do your research and mm-hmm. figure out, okay, what breed do you know is the right one for me and is going to be most likely to succeed, and then from there, okay, where's the best place to get that dog from? Um, mm-hmm. And this doesn't mean you can't use rescues and things, but yeah, I mean with Mac, yeah, you know, Mac was a rescue, but Mac also had hip dysplasia. That's true. <laughs> I mean, eighteen months old, he, mm-hmm. he got his hips X-rayed and he already had hip dysplasia. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, he's kind of a prime example of that and then Rooney was my lab did come from health tested lines and her hips were incredibly tight (laughs) when she had her pen hip done um and that's kind of the difference yeah of uh you know basically not that money is always you know a an indicator but in that situation Rooney was an $1,800 dog and Mac was a $200 dog (laughs) and Mac's vet bills added up to much more than uh, that $1,800 purchase price of Rooney. Yes. Um, Yeah. So there's just, yeah, there's a lot to it and it's, you know, a lot, a lot of people start to hear about diabetic alert dogs and get excited, which is awesome. And then they hear of a German shepherd puppy or something that somebody wants to give them to make as a diabetic alert dog super well-intentioned like Mm -hmm. that is a very kind and lovely but sometimes it's not the wisest to immediately take the first puppy that's offered to you for free yeah because you're gonna invest so much in it yeah like you want to yeah the it's it's you want to make your life easier at the end of the day you don't be fixing problems Mm -hmm. you know it's like it's like buying a brand new car um that, you know, is, like, not going to have a ton of issues versus, mm-hmm. yeah, you can buy a car that has, you know, mileage or anything, yeah. and that's fine, you know, and that's, that's, yeah you know, that, it'll still get you where you're going, but mm-hmm. there's going to be more bills at the end of the day of yeah. just, like, little bills where they just add up over time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, yeah, picking the dog is the most important part, in my opinion. Yes. Um, of the entire process. It's not, you get the dog, the most important part is not necessarily the... You know, the I mean, scent training is important, all the public access, but, like, it... But you can fix those. Yeah. You know, dogs are very forgiving with their learning. Yeah. And so if you train them incorrectly, unless you really screw it up, <laughs> you can get a trainer to help you through consults or whatever, and the dogs will adapt. Yeah. But you can't fix... Personality the or confidence dog. or... Yeah. Personality is not the right word, because, you know, I have a reactive Australian Shepherd as my sport dog, and yeah. love her to death, but um, it's... I can't make her be confident around mm-hmm. people like a hundred percent. She's yeah. like at a ninety-five percent comfortability, but she still doesn't like men. So mm-hmm. um, you can't. I can't change that about her. Yeah. And there's just some things about your dog you're not going to be able to change a hundred percent. And if your dog lacks confidence, it's going to be more difficult the long yes. run. Just as like genetically, like she was 
nervous around people the day mm-hmm. I got her, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you want to you have confident, like, yeah. confident dog. If you have a confident dog, like, your chances of, you know, having a successful service dog is mm-hmm. aggressively improved. Yeah. Because um, I would say that's probably what most people have to funk their dog oh, for is absolutely. insecurity, which, you know, yeah. ends up a lot of times being reactivity and stuff like that. But just, like, yeah. not they don't want to go out and work in scary mm-hmm. environments. So Totally. So confidence shows up in kind of almost exhibits itself, I guess, in so many different ways, right? Some dogs will exhibit a, a lack of confidence in um, by becoming reactive, for example, right? So they start to go more on the offensive when they see something that's scary. So that's one way. Another way, though, is it could be vest aversion even. It's like, hey, I don't really want to go to work, so I'm going to kind of avoid putting my vest on. Or other ways, um, specifically with diabetic alert dogs, could be failure to alert in public mm-hmm. because they are just insecure in the environment. They're not comfortable enough to get up from their position and go tell you about a condition because they're like, I don't know, I'd rather just kind of sleep and shut it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I think so many dogs get flunked for it because it shows up in different things. Everybody, I think, often says, oh, well, I had to flunk my dog because of barking or because of vest aversion or because of this but all for the vast majority of it boils down to lack of confidence Mm -hmm. in new scenarios um and that's definitely the one thing I look for in all of my puppies is I want the one who's so confident and doesn't um shy away Mm -hmm. from things I'm okay with them thinking through it Mm -hmm. but I want their inclination to be like let me think through it because I want to go see it yeah not hey, I'd rather not. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go back to my buddies, yep. you know, to my brothers and sisters and go hang with them because I don't really want to go check that out. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing made me think of this that you were talking about is um, really making your life easier with this, with choosing the right dog. And sometimes what I kind of tell people to go back to is look at what organizations are doing. Because if you think about it, they're making decisions because of financial reasons because they need the dogs to be as successful as possible Mm -hmm. um and you'll notice that organizations actually i don't even know if i can name one that accepts just like donated dogs they don't they purchase purebred health tested puppies Mm -hmm. or they breed their own purebred health tested puppies they don't take somebody's german shepherd that they don't want yeah or you know somebody's whatever Bernie's Mountain Dog. Not that those are, you know, bad breeds for it, but, you know, these are very um, intentional choices that they make. And whether they're a non-profit or a for-profit, you'll notice that they're they're quite picky about the dogs that they bring in. And that's because their goal is to also make things as easy for themselves and to have the highest success rate possible. And so sometimes I think self-trainers kind of need to look at more like how they do of, Okay, well, if an organization with paid staff who are professional trainers are choosing these types of dogs, then, you know, probably that's a good choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. And even, like, you've, you've dabbled in, you know, Mac, um, mm-hmm. Scout, you know, this Mr. No Name that just came up, yeah. fame pending. 
Um, <laughs> name pending. Name pending. Um, like, you're doing this as a way to just kind of test the waters almost. Yeah. Like, of, like, can I make these dogs cheaper? But at the yeah. end of the day, Mac, you know, it's was not expensive. working to you know, make scout, them cheaper. <laughs> you know, Scout, we had to train her longer than we thought just because of, you know, things yeah. popping up, you know, and we don't know about Absolutely. Chip yet, but I'm sure something will pop up, you know. I'm sure. <laughs> you know? He kind of walks funny. He might have any issues. <laughs> <He walks> <laughs> um, but, yeah. yeah, so it's like, you know, you're, you're trying out, like, is it doable to make it cheaper, yeah. you know, because you're not spending as much money, but at the end of the day, it's... So far, it's not working. It's not working, like, you know. Um, I mean, good dogs, you know, lovely yeah. dogs, all good of them. Dogs. But, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, like, financially and time-wise, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not it's not a speedy process versus when we were doing the mini goldens, like, yeah, busting them out. Like, yeah. You know, like... I mean, 14 months regularly, both yeah. of us, like, okay. 14 months, they're good to go. They're good to go. Yeah, I think um, Pickles may have been, like, 15 months. But it's, like, okay, it doesn't... Well, okay, yeah. yeah, but still, like... like Franklin was I tore, 16, I maybe. tore my ACL when I was training him. That's, <laughs> yeah. why, that's why I say it's <laughs> an extra month longer. But, um, yeah. So, this is a very long-winded, like... This is long-winded. This is long-winded, but it basically, at the end of the day, is picking your dog is the most important part. Yep. And, and if you listen to this and you already have a dog picked it's okay you know the important part is then working with a trainer and just yeah. making sure that and assessing the dog assessing I think. the dog like at the beginning get a couple trainers independently to like mm-hmm. evaluate your dog for service work and take what they say seriously mm-hmm. like you can get multiple opinions um i'm not saying one person is like the end all be all mm-hmm. um but get their opinions on if your dog has potential and if not then say, great, you're going to be a wonderful pet dog. I'm going to get a second dog. Mm-hmm. Like, just cut your losses at the beginning. Um, because I I think my my personal belief is that's going to be better for you, but it's also better for the dog, mm-hmm. right? Because if you were to go to kindergarten class and you're looking at the kids and you're like, I am going to pick a random one and you're going to become a brain surgeon, whether you want to be or not. Yes. That's not fair. Not fair. What if they are a phenomenal painter? Mm-hmm. And they have no desire to take biology and organic chemistry mm-hmm. and become a brain surgeon. Yep. It's not fair to say, you're not really inclined to do this, but I have decided that that is going to be your career. Yeah. That's just not, um, it's not fair to them, mm-hmm. and it's not fair to the person who is expecting that of them. Because that's just, you know, it's not using their natural talent, um, and it's not giving them a chance to have a say in it. So, yeah. as cheesy as it sounds, I think the dog's... They should get a say in it. You mm-hmm. should be able to test things out and evaluate them for service work. Maybe even start training them. But if they show you that they're not enjoying it, if their tail is tucked or they're not eager to work, let them be a pet. Let yeah. them be a sport dog. I mean, in-home diabetic alert. Dog. In-home diabetic alert dog. You know, yeah, pretty much every dog can be an in-home diabetic alert dog yeah. as long as it likes snacks. Yeah, right. As long as it's food motivated, is yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's 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 tough because you're you. A lot of times, as humans, we're really guilty as we see this dog and mm-hmm. we fall in love with it, yep. you know, and or this puppy, and we fall in love with it. Uh, but loving the dog where they're at is also important, totally. like you're just saying. It's yeah. just, yeah. Um, I know this is long-winded, but can this is on the mind because I just had the consult for um, picking a puppy out of a litter. Um, and so just maybe briefly <laughs> on that, <laughs> like what puppy you want to pick. Because that is a lot of times I see self-trainers also have the opportunity to pick from a litter. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you've decided, you know, the parents are great. Maybe they're health tested. Whatever. You've decided you're going to get a puppy from this litter. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get to pick. Um, so what 
what kind of puppy, like, you know, would you pick? What, what temperament would you go after when you go and evaluate a puppy? Whether that's through the temperament test or really just, like, what traits, I guess? Um, I guess it also depends on the breed. So yeah. if I'm going to, like, the comfort retrievers, I went with the most, the highest energy, <laughs> the biggest confidence, yeah. the, like, because they're, they're, they're essentially straight-coated doodles. And, you know, I wanted something that had, like, a, some spunk to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I wanted something with drive to do, yeah, yeah. alerting, confidence, all that. But with, like, your spaniels, you're wanting the one with the lowest drive. Like, <laughs> yeah. especially working field, lion cockers. Like, you yeah. want the one that, you know, has less yeah, less energy. Exactly. For the, the less one is still medium high, but, you know. Yeah. A cockro uh, with spunk is a nightmare. Yeah, with uh, Pickles, he was medium, medium high energy. Mm-hmm. And that he was him and one of his sisters, which she, she would have been perfect as well. But the rest of them were like, eh, they just kind of wanted to, like, they go outside and they sniff and they, yeah. you know, interact with the objects and stuff like that. But, like, mm-hmm. they never, like, I wanted to see them interacting with things. And they were just like, I'm just going to go cuddle in a pile where yeah. um, Pickles and his sister Pumpkin were like, let's go find things <laughs> and, like, just had fun. Yeah. Like, every time I put a new thing out, um, so p- part of it is assessing their reaction to new things. Mm-hmm. So if you have the ability to go and, like, do something with these puppies is noticing, like, what is their reaction to you? Like, are they eagerly coming up to you? Are they social? Are they a little timid? Is their tail tucked? Like, things like that. Um, if bring, if you can bring an object of some sort um, that's unique that they've never seen, so I like to assess the reaction. Like, if I put, um, I think one time I brought a bike out for mm. Pickles Litter. Like, they were in an X-Pen, but I, like, just moved the bike around it. There was two of the puppies went to the opposite side. They were like, absolutely not. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. And then um, the other ones were like, oh, yeah, like, what is that? That's interesting. Like, they're yeah. interested, curious, but not, like, insecure curious, you yeah. know? Like, they yeah. weren't like, oh, my gosh, like, that's going to eat me. I need to watch it. <laughs> like, they were like, oh, that looks, like, fun. Like, you know, yeah. assessing, like, it was nice, soft body language, very relaxed. Mm-hmm. Um, just any, I would just put them up against things, uh, uh, not, like, literally, but, like, I'll make them run, like, have it where they can get to me if they go through a pool of, like, mm-hmm. little, those little balls and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, the ball pit. Um, ball pit, I, like, had it where they had to go through an X-pin barrier, like, into the ball pit to get to me. That yeah. was, like, one of my, like, last tests I did with them. Um, Pickles was the first one. <laughs> he was <laughs> right on top of it, immediately flung himself through it. Two of them um, never made it through it. Okay. They're like, nope. Or maybe one of them. One of them did. Uh, I think it was Sparrow. Okay. Um, he didn't. He didn't make it. Um, but the other ones were like, oh, like maybe, and like the other ones yeah. maybe would have been fine, you know. But and they'll probably be great pets. Great pets. Perfect. Really good. Yeah. Good. Good. You know. Um, but I think confidence mm-hmm. and assessing what energy level you want. Yeah. Um, but also need for diabetic alert work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted, yeah, spunky, confident, um, and resilient to whatever new things it was introduced to. Yeah. Um, it didn't shy away from maybe a, a challenge, you know, essentially yeah. they had, he had to think about like, I have to get over the lip of this pool cause he's a little puppy <clears> and <throat> then go through all the balls yeah. to get to this person. Yeah. You know, um, I wanted to see like problem solving and not fear, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Eagerness to take Eager. on the challenge. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, that's. Yeah. And I really think, um, the point that I just talked about in that consult too is, Exactly what you said of you have to take into consideration the breed because as puppies, they're going to kind of, their traits are going to be exponentially increased almost like you're seeing a fraction of what it's going to be as an adult, but this is all overlaid with what their breed is and what their genetics say they're going to be. So 
with those comfort retrievers, I always looked exactly like you did, like those medium high kind of, I want the driven ones, the ones who are obnoxious. <laughs> because even though they're obnoxious then, they're, they're going to carry that with them, yes, but they're still going to be golden poodle mixes and not insane. Um, but if you were to look for the obnoxious working cocker or the obnoxious Malinois, mm. you're going to end up with a dog that is way too much for diabetic alert. Yeah. So you have to know what the genetic inclination is and what that dog is going to naturally turn into as an adult. And then you're just looking for, do I essentially want, um, more or less than the median almost? Um, of do I want to go on the higher end and the more driven end, the higher energy, mm-hmm. or the lower end because I'm trying to kind of like tone down what the natural inclination is. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I'll let this topic drop, I suppose, um, is uh, really this goes against what every human heart, I swear, once. <laughs> but you want the puppy that is not memorable, the puppy yeah. that is not remarkable, not the one that climbs in your lap mm-hmm. and that you have a heart connection to. That's the wrong dog. Or the dog that is sitting calmly in the corner. You couldn't choose a worse dog. Right. If they're sitting calmly in the corner, like, every time, that's not because they're calm. It's because they're scared and insecure. Yeah. Um, You know, you don't want the puppy who's always super happy to greet everybody all the time. Mm -hmm. You really want the dog where you're like, I don't know, sometimes they're excited to see me, sometimes they're doing their own thing with their siblings, yeah. sometimes they're snoozing in the corner. I kind of forget about them. Mm-hmm. That's the dog. Yep. Like, the forgettable one. Yeah. Which is not what anybody wants, especially self-trainers. They want to go into a puppy pen and say, he chose me, or she chose me. Yeah. It's, like, it's not about choosing. It's not about no, choosing. No, no. It is so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And also, they are puppies, and this is one day of development, one instant in time, mm-hmm. that you don't know how that, you know, reflects their true personality. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I want to see them, yeah, in in that case, like, uh, with the litter that I was very, you know, with them on their whole journey of picking pickles. um, Pickles was like, they'd like, pickles and his sister, which she could have been a a wonderful pick. They'd come up and say hi to me, but then they'd immediately go and explore the new... I, I would set up new scenarios for them of like different objects mm-hmm. introduced every time I did puppy culture with them, and yeah, they they liked me, you know, but yep. they were they were off doing their own things. The ones that were insecure, honestly, were the ones that were sitting in my lap. Yes, exactly. Like you know, the ones that were like wanting to like you know just be attached, attached to me mm-hmm. was actually I'm like, okay, you're the insecure one. That's the, what's the one that didn't go through the vault bed. Yeah, that's the one that's gonna flunk in like two months. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I know that dog is an adult now. Um, pretty well and he's a lovely lovely boy but yeah. he's he's insecure about things he yeah. doesn't he shies as you know loud noises happen mm-hmm. i don't I think he doesn't like thunderstorms yeah. like he would hate being a service he dog would hate being a service dog and his owner loves him for the pet that he is yeah. um and he's a very good boy but um yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's not about the dog choosing you it's really about you choosing the dog yeah um, which i know is not the squishy feel good yeah it's not squishy <laughs> fairy tale disney princess yeah. um, that everyone <laughs> wants to hear um but it's actually yeah, dog service dog training is actually very practical and logical. <laughs> yeah, I would say like, and you can take this with like, if you really are de- you want to do the rescue route, you can still go and assess the rescue. Yes, like puppy. If you look at puppies, yeah. like you can do temperament tests, mm-hmm. um, and and get a trainer to come and assess them. I'm sure the rescue will be fine with that. So you can pick out one that yeah. you know could be solid. You mm-hmm. know, absolutely. If you're, not, if you're not worried about the health portion of it. Yeah, um, I tested Mac in a uh, 
Rural King parking lot. <laughs> Rural King. Um, <laughs> that is where I bought him from. Mm-hmm. So some lady on Facebook wanted to get rid of him for 200 bucks. Yep. And um, so I asked her if I could walk him around the parking lot, and I think I took him in briefly, too, mm-hmm. just to see how he did. And, he you know, with those, you do have to keep an eye out, like, and you have to, I would say, take a trainer along if you haven't done a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Because there, there were things that he did where I was confident that that was because he had not been socialized because he was six months old and lived his whole life in a kennel. Yeah. Um, and then I thought it was fixable, but it, that it didn't seem genetic when I viewed it. Yeah, um, that's very true. And so that's why I was confident enough to mm-hmm. buy him and give him, you know, a chance. Mm-hmm. So, like, he shied away from cars, and he they literally had to drag him in and out of the car, like, <laughs> choking him. Poor Matherin. But it was clear to me, like, you know, the rest of his behavior showed that you know, he's actually a pretty confident boy. He just hasn't been shown the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not because he's um, genetically just insecure. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, he just hasn't seen that experience. Yeah. He'd never been in a car before. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that, I think it is good to have a trainer help. But absolutely, if you're going to go the rescue route, still do temperament testing. Yep. You know, still figure, you know, try and learn as much as you can before you commit. Um, and another great option could be fostering to adopt. Yes. If you can keep a dog for two weeks Mm -hmm. and then you know if honestly if you could just do that for like a bunch of dogs one after another and then when you find one that you're like this is a great candidate Mm -hmm. then adopt that one I think that's the best route you can do yeah I mean I've I've never done that but But, no no, theoretically that's what I would say and also (laughs) you can try out different breeds on yes so different breeds are good for different personalities like you know Mm -hmm. like as humans like I don't think yeah, I, I think that's also, like, good to, like, try out, like, do you actually, do you hate golden retrievers? Yeah. Like, golden retrievers are kind mm-hmm. of, labs are slobbery and... Mm. Hard-headed. Hard-headed, and they, dumb. their tail knocks <laughs> over everything. Yeah. Like, they're shed a lot, you know, like, is there... Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some people that are obsessed with labs. I'm not yeah. necessarily a lab, like, I don't love them with all my heart. I like labs, but uh, there are people that are lab people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. do you do you like them for their... For their labbiness, you yeah. know, people love them for their labs, you know, mm-hmm. the way they are. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I think it's also important picking the breed that works for you, definitely, which you can handle. Yeah, um, yeah. One. that's a really good point. Um, yeah, some people aren't lab people. I'm not a lab person. I'm mm-hmm. pretty open about that. But a lot of people aren't spaniel people. Mm-hmm. They're too busy. They're too chaotic. Yeah, honestly, I have ADHD and. <laughs> They, like, sometimes give me, like, I'm, like, I feel like I'm, like, there's bees buzzing around yeah, me. Like, constantly. bee is actually named very well. <laughs> yeah. The little, the little spaniel girl. Um, sometimes, like, I'm at ADHD. I'm, like, trying to, like, I'm, like, looking at something on my phone, but I'm, like, like, I just see, like, a black blur of Bernie going by. And, like, I'm, like, so distracted. Yeah. I just then a yellow blur. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think it's really yeah. just, you know, what, yeah, what works for you mm-hmm. is really, really important. Um. So, like, just to clarify, we have essentially said <laughs> you should get a lab golden or a poodle, but also don't get one of those if that doesn't work for you. So I think we have been thoroughly unclear. <laughs> this is all our discussion. It's like there's so many options, but also no options at all. Also no options. You should get what works for you, but also don't get anything except for these three breeds. Yeah. And um, you can get, there's, like, other, like, inner spaniels are, are great, like, for, 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 like, 5% of the population. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but, like, Olaf, he's, like, a lower-energy 
That's true. Connor Spano. I feel like he would be great for really. Yeah, he's pretty easy. Pretty easy. Like he mm-hmm. wants to go on, you know, his little walk in the morning, but yeah. then he's like happy go lucky about it. Mm-hmm. You know, where Birdie needs like you know fetch, you know, every day where it's more high intense. Yeah. You know, things that are Definitely. going on. Um, yeah, no, it's. I think at the end of the day, it's just about talking with like a trainer, mm-hmm. really breaking down your assessment, researching breeds. Like you're like, I really like. Yes. Blue healers. Go Google that. Google <laughs> what you think about um, for join, blue. Join some Facebook groups Go to some learn Facebook about Facebook groups. Um, but I actually no, highly recommend that. Yeah, breed yeah. groups can be great to learn about what issues people are coming up with, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. nipping at heels. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no picking your poison with yes. breeds as well is like um, border collies, blue healers, Australian shepherds. <laughs> they overassess movement. And they are more mouthy. They mm-hmm. are bred to bite the heels of cattle and yeah. move them around or mm-hmm. move sheep or whatever. They're pushy. They're pushy. Like they're, mm-hmm. And they overassess everything yeah. um, to, to a fault most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they're bred to make a lot of independent decisions. Mm-hmm. And so they're not bred to look at you for direction mm-hmm. nearly as much mm-hmm. because their job is to make a decision about how to move the animals. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at the sporting breeds... And it's the total opposite. You know, labs are bred to sit at your side until they are told to go flush the birds. And then they sit after the birds fly off. Mm-hmm. And then they go retrieve the bird and bring it back to you just to sit at your side again. Mm-hmm. Right? That's so much handler focus. Mm-hmm. And, like, bringing the prize to you. Mm-hmm. Totally different than, you know, a border collie who's bred to, like, Go away. Go way <laughs> far away from you, fields away, mm-hmm. make independent decisions. Yes, listening to the whistles and the cues, but making a lot of independent decisions and being pushy, you know, making sure that those those cattle or those sheep stay in line. Mm-hmm. Um, just very different yeah. kind of purposes. Yeah. An Aussie will bark at you because they want to, like, Aussies are notoriously vocal because <laughs> they're literally, they're bred to be vocal while mm-hmm. they're working. Like, I... Yeah. I, I when Melly does certain, like, tricks and stuff like that, like, she's pretty, actually, quiet for an Aussie, but she's still vocal, because she's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're doing something, like, this is, like, a natural, we don't yeah. want, you don't want your service dog to be vocal, like, that's no. not allowed. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I love how we're just going off on tangents. We are really going off on tangents. <laughs> yeah, so um, this is... <laughs> yeah. Um, but... There's a lot of information in that, but... It's yeah. a lot of information. We, well, we can, I can break this down. That's um, all right. It's all valuable. Yeah, it is all valuable. Um, I think just at the end of the day is assessing yourself mm-hmm. um, and what breed matches your personality. A lot of times, like, whenever you pair a dog together, they're the same. <laughs> like, every yeah. time, Mac and Nick. They're the same. Olaf and Andreas. Yeah. Hannah and Scout. Like, yeah. Pickles and Knox. Like, they're they all... Are. They're all, like, the same personality. So, like, literally, like, taking a really good reflection of yourself, like, who you are. <laughs> Maybe go to therapy. Learn about yourself. <laughs> therapy, learn about yourself. <laughs> and then pick the dog based off of that. Yeah. Like, you Totally. Know. I mean, I, I think that's why I like Spaniels. It's because yeah. I like to be doing things, and I kind of have a lot mm-hmm. of products all at the same time. Yep. Um, and that's why I work with them. Mm-hmm. And I don't work with labs, because I'm not a lab. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just... I don't, you know, have that personality. And not to say that you should, like, match yourself to a dog breed. Like, that is kind of weird. Yeah. But there is a lot, too. Like, yeah, we match our clients and dogs. And just, I just, we just realized it magically kind of happens. Like It does. It's not like, 
Yeah. It's like, who seems to be the best fit for this dog? And their lifestyle and their environment ends up being that those really seem, you know, they do match. Mm -hmm. So just find one that matches you. And, you know, if you're a super busy person and you're super active, then fantastic. (laughs) Maybe a spaniel's for you. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and um, just try and find one that, yeah, matches your lifestyle. But yet within those boundaries of it has to be confident it has to also um, have enough drive to alert and make independent decisions without being so drivey that it can't go in public with you mm-hmm. um, if you're looking for full full public access. Exactly. Um, and uh, and we frequently do consultations for people that are just wanting to talk about yes. before they get the dog. Mm-hmm. And that's really, we love those. Yes. You know, like we want people to reach out and talk to us. Like, what is the best option for mm-hmm. you and we're happy to help. Yeah. Honestly, like, I love doing consults with anybody who, like, hasn't gotten a dog yet. Yeah. And they're like, I'd like you to help me decide what the right one is. Mm-hmm. That feels, oh, my goodness. Like, we have such, you know, a higher chance of success. Mm-hmm. Because you're starting at the beginning, and we can talk about your lifestyle and where even you're located. We can help you find breeders. Yeah. Um, you know, go. we have sites we can go find health-tested breeders. Mm-hmm. At, and um, Trainers in your area to help you yes. temperament test, you know, yeah. stuff like that. You know? Yeah, definitely happy to help with those consults. Um. All better. 